1: The book of Ruth chapter 1 verses 16, 17, and 18. It is a short book and some of what I will say will draw the context of the entire book of Ruth. In the NIV, the New International Version, we find these words. It reads, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you are to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her. She stopped urging her. I want to preach this morning from this passage and its larger context in the book of Ruth. I want to lift this thought facing north when life is going south. You know, one aspect of what it means to be a Christian or a child of God or to be the church church of the living God is to be faithful, to be faithful, Uh, to be faithful means uh, a number of things, to be committed, uh, to be steadfast, to be focused, to be single-minded, to be dependable, to be constant, uh, to be unflagging, to be willing to stay the course. I have to admit to you that this is a rare quality and a rare commodity in our world today where it seems the ground is constantly shifting and changing. You know and I know we live in a world where one's word is no longer one's bond. It used to be that agreements could be sealed with a simple handshake. The attorneys here know that our society has become increasingly litigious. I've been waiting for a while to use that word. <laughs> litigious. It's just amazing to me some of the things I hear people suing other people about. Signed and notarized contracts. Contracts are fixtures today, and many of them are signed and notarized just to be broken. But in our text, the text we've shared, faithfulness is validated and vindicated in one of the greatest love stories ever written, the Book of Ruth. Just for your reflection today, Of the 66 books of the Bible, only two of them are named after women, Ruth and Esther. Ruth was a Gentile who married a Hebrew. And Esther was a Hebrew who lived among the Gentiles and married a Gentile. But Ruth demonstrates, she demonstrates for us And for her own generation, what it really means to be faithful. What it really means to be steadfast. What it really means to be committed. Because when her life literally was bottoming out. When things were going from bad to worse. We find her facing north. When her life was going south, she faced north. She had kind of an intuitive sense of GPS. GPS is God's proven sufficiency. (laughs) She had, she was not a Jew by birth, but she had an innate sense, an intuitive awareness of God's proven sufficiency. And there's a move in this text, and As many times as I've read it, I've seen the spiritual move. I mean, here's a woman who, although she was a Moabitess, she, she grew up in a country that the Jews perceived as pagan. There's a spiritual transformation in her life. Obviously, if you read this book in the context of all of Scripture, there's a historical implication because she becomes one of the ancestresses of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a relational dimension. There's a relational move because when she had an opportunity to leave Naomi, her mother-in-law, and move to her comfort zone, she chose to stay. I've read the book many times and I've seen that. But I saw something new when I looked at this text because what I learned is In any map of the region during this period Moab was south of Bethlehem and so when she makes a decision to go with her mother-in-law to Bethlehem while she is experiencing a life that's going south and she's living in the south she faces north. Life is going south for her but in this text and particularly The verses we read this morning, she's facing north. Someone here today may feel that way. Life is moving in the wrong direction. We put on the smiley face. We try to keep up appearances, but deep down things are not like they should be. Things on the job are not good. And and the prospect the job may end is looming daily before you. The marriage has turned from sweet to sour. Child determining they're going to do it their way. Going south. And when you're experiencing that, we ought to be aware that this season of the year exacerbates it for people. When things are already bad, The holidays tend to make them worse. What was happening when Ruth faced North? When I asked the text that question, three things came up. When she faced North and life was going south, in the first instance, she dealt with difficult circumstances. I need to give you some historical context here to help understand Ruth's difficulties. The Bible records, if you read from the beginning of the chapter, the first chapter of Ruth, that it was in the days when the judges ruled Israel. It was a time when, according to the book of Judges, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And a man named Elimelech, whose name means my God is king, and a woman named Naomi, whose name means pleasant, decided when there was a famine in the land, Of Judea, that they would move their family, themselves, their two boys, to Moab. Turned out to be a fatal move. There, the two sons, against all that was explicit in in Mosaic law, married two Gentile girls, Ruth and Oprah. Their life began to go south. Elimelech died. And the two boys died. Melon and Chilion died. And here we find Naomi in this text with her two daughter-in-laws in dire, difficult and desperate straits. But she hears that there is food in Bethlehem. And she decides that she's going to go back, but she gives her daughter-in-laws the option of not going back. One way to think about it is, if you read the text, there's a point when it seems as if Naomi is blaming God for her problems. Somebody said, Naomi covered up, and Oprah, the other daughter-in-law, who went back home, gave up. But in this text, Ruth stands up. She faces North when her life is going south. And Ruth found herself in a situation where she had had a sickly husband. He died. Her brother-in-law, her father-in-law had died. And she was under a tremendous amount of stress. And even the one person who should have been committed and faithful was encouraging her to give up. She was facing some difficult circumstances. It's easy to, to have a positive outlook when when there's more money than month, it's easy to have a positive outlook when your body is not racked with pain, when, when you haven't been lied on and talked about. It's easy to have a positive outlook when people think well of you, but when you've been disappointed, when you find yourself feeling even in a room full of people that you're all by yourself Sometimes it's hard. It's easy when we understand what God is doing. But when God moves in such a way, it doesn't make sense, as James Dobson said, then it becomes a struggle sometimes. Just hold it on. The question I'm asking you today is, what are some of the difficulties you are facing in life? What's keeping you from turning north? in a positive way what's holding you down this is a good message to hear on the last sunday of the year as we face the new year together what's the undertow in your life what's pulling you back what's keeping you from being oh god will have you to be so when she faced north and her life was going south she was dealing with some difficult circumstances But also, the text would suggest that she demonstrated a decisive commitment. Naomi said, go home, girl. I'm I'm paraphrasing. Hey, listen, you you don't have to stay with me. But Ruth makes a choice, a decisive choice. Decisions that we make when we're facing difficult circumstances often define who we are. It's not the ones we make when everything is going great. It's the ones we make when we're facing some difficult circumstances. We see these types of moves under stress in the Word of God. Moses' book of Hebrews says that when he was experiencing challenge and stress, although he was a son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose rather to suffer affliction With the children of God to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esther made a decisive commitment when her uncle said, honey, it may not seem right. It may not seem fair, but it falls on you. You got to go into the king. I know it's not your time to to show up there and it may be some severe consequences, but you got to go. And when she fasted and prayed and she walked in, she walked in with a spirit. If I perish, I perish. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego under pressure. They didn't have time to think about it. They had to make a chart. And they said, King, listen, and I'm, I'm really paraphrasing this. They said, you can tell us when to come to work. You can set our benefit package for us. You can do all of that. But you can't tell us who to bow down and worship. We're not going to bow down to the sound of the music. Martin Luther, at the diet of worms, had to make a decisive choice. And there before his Catholic brethren, as he got ready to launch the Reformation, he said, here I stand. I'm not going to move. Because the reality is, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall. We're called to be peacemakers blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. Sometimes the price of peace is too high. And so when she was under considerable stress, her life was going south. She faced north and listened to this magnificent demonstration of her commitment and her faith Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee. A return from following after thee. Whether you go out, go and Where you lodge, I'll lodge, and your people shall be my people, and and thy God shall be my God. Where you die, I'll die, and there I will be buried, and the Lord do so much to me, and more also if all but death part thee and me. Life was going south, but she chose to face north at a critical junction. It would have been easy for her to return to Moab, familiar surroundings, but her decision transcended her own welfare impacted the lives of so many others. But in the third instance, she not only made a decisive commitment, demonstrated that she dealt with difficult circumstances, but when you face north and your life is going south, I want to give you something else. You will discover a determined champion. When Ruth faced north, she went to Bethlehem. She discovered she had a determined champion. Had she went to Moab, she would have never found her knight in shining armor. The Bible calls him a kinsman redeemer. Brother Boaz, it appears that when she got to Bethlehem, she began to glean grain in a field that was owned by one of the kinsmen of Elimelech. And she began to do it day after day. I don't know when it happened, but Boaz showed up. Looked out in the field and saw his sister gleaning. Can I paraphrase? He asked his servant, he said, who's that? I mean, when you read the whole book, Ruth was a good looking sister. She was vibrant. She had vitality and she was virtuous. In fact, in chapter 3, verse 10, her future husband would say of her that the word is out that you're a virtuous sister. He saw her gleaning in the fields and guess what he did? Because he began to be her champion. He told his servants, he said, now y'all make sure the young men don't bother her. He says, and at the end of the day, just... Give her some handfuls of purpose. Just give her a little bit extra. And when this began to happen, Ruth went back home and told Naomi, it's good to have someone who's been down the road to help you along. And when she got home and began to talk to Naomi, Naomi, Naomi and her wisdom said, you know, something going on here. I just wish I could overheard the conversation. But my mind began to walk down imaginary lane. As Naomi became aware of Ruth's determined champion, she said, now, it's apparent he likes you. He said, but girl, we need to work on some things here. Say, so, you know, we don't have much money, but the little bit I got, I'm going to send you down to the headdress. I want you to fix up a little bit. Now, I don't have, I don't have any Versace or Giorgio or money of a gallery, but I got something that'll make you smell good. I don't have no Coco Chanel and you know I don't have no fine dress but you remember the one that Limelech bought me. I think it'll do for the occasion. It's not a Michael Kors or a Dana Buckman or an Ellen Tracy. But I want you to put it on because when your champion shows up you want to look the best you can. I'm so glad today I can end this message by telling you when you face north in a spiritual move you'll discover you have a champion. Now I want you to make a shift with me because I don't want to leave it with the impression that because Boaz became a husband that that's the ultimate intent of the story. But what I want to tell you is we just celebrated Christmas and there's a champion in the house because she married Boaz. And I've walked down through the genealogy. I would have stopped at the place where it said Mary and Joseph got married. But Mary had a child and uh, his name uh, was Jesus. I'm so glad I know who my champion is and his name is not Boaz today. I commend Ruth for turning north when life was going south. But I'm telling you today, I've had some experiences this year When because of disappointment and sickness and frustration, my life uh, was going south. But in the midst of my trouble now, I turned north to have a witness. uh,
0: You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.